Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. Grab your Bibles and turn with me, please, to Psalm chapter 37. Psalm 37, if you need a Bible, there's a Bible on the pew in front of you. It's page 556 in that Bible. And we are plugging our way through a series that we've called Authentic, Becoming Who We Really Are, and looking at our identity. Uh, who does God say that we are? How can we live out of who God says that we are more and more? Uh, how do we lay aside the things that are, are more sinful, more selfish? How do we become truly authentic and living how God has called us to be? When we don't do that, we live out of what Christian psychologists and counselors have called the false self. And the false self is, it is our sinful self, but more than that, it is the person that we put on in order to get by in life. It is the person we project to the world. Uh, it is the way we want to be seen by everybody because we don't want people to actually see that inside here there is pain and there's insecurity and there's sin and there's hurt. So we put someone on and project that person to the world. And we've talked in the series before, one of the ways we can start to figure out where is this false self at work in our lives is asking ourselves questions like, where do I get really defensive? Where do I not handle criticism well? Where am I uh, pushing back? And where am I not uh, able to receive these things? And, and so we've been talking throughout different ways in which we engage with that. We took a few weeks at the beginning because we really wanted to nail down some key aspects of what our godly identity is. And so we took a week to talk about being made in the image of God, and that is part of who we are, and especially as Christians, we are being restored to the fullness of that image of God that was broken by sin. We are talking about being deeply loved, lavishly loved, Scripture says, loved by God, because that's going to drive a lot of our lives if we don't know that, if we don't walk in that. And we talked about being set free from our sin so that we could live towards holiness, not being identified as sinners, but as saints. Uh, and even though sin continues to be a struggle for us, we are going to live out of our holy identity and not emphasize uh, that we're just sinners because Jesus has set us free from sin so that we could live out holy lives before him. Last week, we did a message called Unmasking the Imposter and started talking about uh, the false self specifically a little bit more. And just this idea that uh, if I don't know who I am, and if I am not secure in who I am, and none of us are perfectly, of course, but if I am not there, then I will start to look to other things in order to make me feel secure, to make me feel fulfilled. So I will look to my job, maybe. I'll look to people and what they say about me. I'll look to status or title or, or recognition or things or money. And I will look for my sense of fulfillment other places. But uh, a major part of the heartbeat of this message is, man, how can we live in such a way that we are getting our fulfillment from him? that we are getting our fulfillment from the Lord. And not that those other pieces, like what I do for a living or the people in my life, aren't part of my identity, certainly. And it's not that they can't help, but it's when we are driven by those things that this becomes a problem. So we are looking to have our security met in Him, our validation met in Him, finding our fulfillment in Him. And as we go through the message today, uh, it's a, a bit of a different message. I don't normally preach this way, and I, I won't normally preach this way, so if you don't like it, you're, you're off the hook there. Uh, but I'm going we're going to dive into the scripture for a few minutes, and then I'm actually going to lead you through an exercise. Uh, I'm going to do the exercise. You don't have to do anything. You have to sit and listen. Uh, someone just panicked there when, for a moment when I said that. I'm going to walk you through it, and this exercise is in your booklets. We have a study guide that goes with this series, and they're available for $5 at the Hub. For me, 
it's worth the five bucks just for this week, just for this exercise, because uh, this has been transformative in my life, and I'm praying it'll be transformative for you as well. So you can get those at the Hub if you haven't got that yet. And this is also a message, I think a lot of what is shared will probably be brand new to a lot of us, and that's okay. Uh, we're going to work through it in our booklets this week. If you're in a life group that's going through this, you'll go through it with your life group. Uh, but it's, gonna, it's one of those things that's just going to take some time, I think, to, to sink in and to linger uh, and to meditate on and to figure out. So if you feel like, you know, by this time next week, next Sunday, you haven't fully grasped everything from this Sunday, uh, that's more than fine. It's going to take weeks, I think, maybe months, maybe even, just because it's one of those things that we're just planting the seeds today, and then God's going to keep doing his work as time goes on. Does that, does that make sense? So let's jump into our text today. We're in Psalm 37. We're going to look at the first few verses, page 556 in the Pew Bible. This is a Psalm of David, and we're starting in verse 1. Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And David goes on from there for quite some time. And if Psalm 37 had a theme, I mean, there's lots of ways we could identify it. But one way might be to say the theme of the psalm is God is in control. God is over everything. And because of that, we don't have to worry because God is in control. And it starts right at the beginning, verse 1 and 2. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. That's a theme that shows up in the psalms and in the scriptures that... You know, sometimes it's, it's easy to look at uh, people who are doing the wrong thing, and people, I mean, even if, even if we wouldn't call them just evil, but people who are uh, either evil or at least not doing the right thing, not doing what God wants them to do, and seeming to prosper, seeming to do well. Um, and that struggle within us of how is that just, how is that right? Uh, and this theme comes up, it gets dealt with here and many other places that says, but yeah, don't, don't freak out about that. Because remember the grass, remember the, the green plants, that, that even though it might look like they are prospering for a season, God has to set things right. There was a time where it looked like Hitler was legitimately going to take over the world. For a season, evil was going to win, it looked like. Uh, but that wasn't what happened. God will set things right. And so uh, we are not to be jealous. We are not to, to freak out about those things. But just trust that God is just and God's justice will set things right. Verse 3 says, because of that, we, our focus, should be to trust in the Lord and do good. If we see bad people doing well, our reaction shouldn't be, well, why bother doing any of this? I'm just going to jump in on the bad stuff, because apparently you can do fine if you go that way. It's like, no, even though it might look that way, God's going to deal with those people. As for you, your job is to trust in the Lord and do good. That's the call for us. And so uh, this is an Old Testament passage. It's not about Jesus uh, in any way. Uh, I mean, all scripture is pointing to Jesus, but trust in the Lord and do good is actually a pretty decent picture of the gospel. Uh, we are to trust in the Lord. We put our faith in Jesus. We don't save ourselves. He is the one who saves us. And yet it's not just about the trust. It's about life changing after that. The call to the gospel is not just believe. It's believe and repent. It's not just trust Jesus. It's follow Jesus. It's obey Jesus. Both of those things go together. James says if you really do believe in him, then repentance and obedience has to follow. Because if it's true faith, change has to come. And and so we are called in the scripture, in the gospel, uh, even though we've done this the day we said yes to Jesus, it's a continual process of repentance, of acknowledging our sin, of turning from our sin, of doing good. 
So we put our faith in the Lord as a, a result of that connection with him. We are driven to do what is right, to follow his ways, to be obedient, to honor his word, and do our best to live out that word. And then God says, then dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. So Israel had wandered in the desert for 40 years, and then God finally brings them into the promised land that they've been waiting for. And so this verse is in there to say, even though it looks like X, Y, and Z is doing really great, and even though it looks like evil people aren't being dealt with, God will deal with them. You trust in the Lord and do good. And remember, you're dwelling in the promised land that God gave you. You're in safety right now. Like, be thankful for what you got. Don't be envious of those who have more. Be thankful for the blessings that you have. Uh, and so whenever we're feeling discouraged or frustrated, it's never a bad idea just to say, all right, what do I have that I'm thankful for? And, and with thanksgiving, to, to honor that before the Lord and say, I'm thankful for this, 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 and this. Even if this is a moral struggle for me as I look at, you know, why are bad things happening to good people and, and bad people seem to be prospering, even if not everything in my life is going amazing, even if I'm struggling with this and that, what do I have that I'm thankful for and I, I promise you you have a lot and the negative stuff has a way of taking over and it has a way of dominating our thoughts so we intentionally choose Thanksgiving because when we intentionally choose Thanksgiving we get our eyes off of ourselves we get our eyes off of our difficulties and our circumstances and we put our eyes on the one who is Lord over all of it and we give him thanks it's just the thanks that he deserves it's not even anything extra that we're doing but Thanksgiving is not just about worshiping God it's something something important happens in us it changes our perspective and it sets us right with him so that's verse 3. And then moving into verse 4, which is our key verse today. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And that passage has been interpreted lots of different ways. Let me tell you how it was interpreted in the Pentecostal charismatic streams that I grew up in. It was interpreted as when you delight in the Lord, he will give you whatever you want. Whatever is in your heart, if you bring that to God, if you delight in him enough, he will give it to you. And that's part of the whole. So name it, claim it, call it down, pray for it. And this passage becomes, all right, God, what are you going to do for me? Because I got a lot of desires in my heart that I would like to see happen. So how are you going to fulfill those for me if I delight in you enough? And, and it, it raises questions of like, well, what is enough delight? And, and what is delight? How does that actually work out practically? Uh, but it's also, I think, quite a twisting, certainly. And it's not that uh, God doesn't give us what we want at times, and not that when we pray and ask him for things that he doesn't respond. I certainly have had in my life desires that he has answered. I wanted to get married one day. I wanted to have kids one day. I wanted to be a pastor one day. So he has fulfilled those desires, certainly. He has answered those prayers. But if we take that viewpoint to the extreme, it very easily becomes God is a genie in a bottle and his job is to grant your wishes. And one of my mentors used to say, if God's giving you everything you want all the time, then you're actually God and he's the servant. And so we don't ever want to lose the right balance of this dynamic. And to say, if we delight in the Lord, he's going to give us all the stuff we want. I think it's not that there's not some truth there, but I actually think it's a, a shallower way to look at this text. Uh, and there's a much more Christ-centered way to look at this, which is this. Is that when I delight in the Lord... It's not that he's just going to give me all the stuff that I want, because that's a very me-centered way to approach that. But it's when I delight in the Lord, he will be the fulfillment of the desires of my heart. 
Not that he's going to give me all the stuff necessarily, and he might, but when I delight in him, when he is center, when I am worshiping him and connecting with him, when I'm in his word, when I'm, I am grounded and centered in him, when he is the central delight of my life, of my worship, of my attention, of my affection, when I delight myself in him, he will be the fulfillment. All of my fulfillment will be in him. Because the Apostle Paul said, you know what? I've learned to be content no matter what. When things are going great, when things are going bad, when I have a lot, when I have a little, when I'm healthy, when I'm sick, no matter what my circumstance, I have learned to be content in those circumstances. And he says, here's the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All of my contentment comes from him. It's not about what he gives me or doesn't give me. And our, our, our contentment, our peace that we have, should not be conditional on the circumstance of our life. I say that very easily, as if that's not a struggle. But there is a peace that surpasses understanding that's available to us. There is a contentment that is available to us. There is a, a feeling of, I am fulfilled, that is available to us, and it's available out of who he is. And not about what I have or don't have. Did this prayer get answered or not, pray, not get answered? Is this circumstance in my life good or bad? Like, there's peace available no matter what. And so we have these desires in our heart. And, and we are looking for them to be fulfilled. And that is not in itself a bad thing. There is something hardwired into us that is looking for fulfillment. And ideally, the best picture of that fulfillment should happen in our relationship with him. When that doesn't happen, we will start looking any, anywhere else and everywhere else to get those longings within us fulfilled. And we will be looking to other people, we'll be looking to our work, we'll be looking to sin, certainly, uh, and certain things that make us feel good for a little while, but don't actually solve anything. And we will be searching out ways for this desire to be filled that ultimately can only be filled by him. And it's not that we can't help each other out in these things as people. It's not that work, as an example, certainly can give us a sense of fulfillment. It is part of who we are. But when these things get driven in an unhealthy way, that's when we find ourselves in trouble. So Sarah and I, I share this story with her permission. Um, a couple years ago, we're going through a, a rough patch. And, and it was ultimately a very good thing, but it was just a bumpy time. And the details don't matter, and uh, Sarah's part doesn't matter. And I, uh, the first service, I said, you can ask Sarah if you want. Then I went, what am I saying? Don't ask her at all. It's none of your business. Back off. I'm sharing my part in this. But we both had stuff to learn. But here is what I learned out of that season. It was that I was putting a lot of pressure on her uh, to make me feel fulfilled and to make me feel secure. As a man, as a husband, uh, as a minister, like I was putting a lot on her that she needed to, to say things, she needed to, to affirm things. And, and it's not that she wasn't doing those things, but it just wasn't enough because it's not enough when it comes from a person. A person can help. And so I was putting a lot of pressure on her to make me feel secure and fulfilled. And my big takeaway was, ah, oh, that was a really unfair burden to put on any other person. Uh, and I think we do that a lot. We naturally do that. And so it's up to my job or it's up to my friends or it's up to my parents or it's up to so-and-so. And again, we can help, but, but we can't do it. We can't do the fullness of it. And so no matter what Sarah would have done, it would have never been enough to do the, the deepest work of fulfillment in me because that can only come through Jesus. That can only come through him. And so part of that, my learning thing was I need to let Sarah off the hook on this because I'm putting a burden on her that just isn't fair. 
Uh, it's not fair for me to put that burden on her. And so we do that with people. Again, we do that with our jobs. We do that with sin, certainly. We are looking for the sense of fulfillment in lots of different places, and that's the bad news. But my hope is, as we go through this teaching, we're going to learn, learn more about these desires that drive us, and we're going to learn more about what do we do with them in a way that's healthier and more godly. So as we move into the exercise that I was talking about, uh, there's a man named Tony Stoltzfus, and he wrote a bunch of books. He wrote a pretty famous famous book on uh, coaching, leadership coaching, that gets used in a lot of places in the Christian world. He wrote a book called The Invitation, Transforming the Heart Through Desire Fulfilled, uh, which is where a lot of this teaching is coming from today. And then he wrote a follow-up book to that called Questions for Jesus, touching on the same stuff. So if you wanted to read one, I would recommend The Invitation. Uh, that'll take what we're talking about today and go deeper in that. Uh, all, we're, all three are good, but uh, if you're going to read one, I would lean on The Invitation for sure. So he is a coach. He's a developer. Christian man. He's a coach. He's a counselor. Uh, he's been doing this for many, many years. And he just began to notice in his ministry that we have these desires within us that drive our life a lot. Uh, and the desires themselves are not bad things. That we are, we are wired differently. Uh, there are different parts of us that are, are going to be different person by person. But there are desires within us, and they really drive our lives a lot more than we realize. And they influence how we make decisions. They influence the kind of jobs we go into. They influence how we interact with other people. And they influence even sometimes the sin that we are falling into. And so after all these years of coaching and counseling, him realizing, okay, so there are these desires that drive us. What can we do to help people understand what those are, understand how they work, so that these things are not just mindlessly running the show of our lives. And so what can we do to help people in that way? So he came up with something that if you have a booklet, it's in the back of your booklet, uh, that he calls the Desire Wheel. And again, this is after many years of trial and error and helping people and going back and forth and, and learning and listening and working on things. And he said, okay, there are 16 desires that I would say uh, are pretty common, not that everybody engages with all of these on the deepest levels, but, uh, but you're going to be able to find some of yours on this wheel. And it's not to say there are not key desires in our lives that are beyond this wheel, but this is just a way to kind of get us going. So he said there are 16 ones that I have just noticed show up over and over again in people's lives, and we will all engage with all of them sometimes. But the heart of this exercise is to start to notice what are my key desires? What are the main ones? that are driving my life. So this is a bit of a scriptural idea with some psychology as we go through this today. And so I'm going to go through them all very quickly. Uh, if you're taking notes in the booklets, these are all in the back of your booklet, so you don't need to take notes on this particular part. So don't worry about uh, breaking your hand trying to keep up because we got to go through this pretty quick. But th here's the nature of some of these key desires that drive us. So for some of us, we'll be driven by uh, a sense of worth. And, and beside it are some words that people use to describe what this desire feels like. So uh, to feel valued, to feel validated, special, to feel respected, to feel honored. For some of us, that's really important, and we tend to give that to others if it's important to us, and we tend to, to be seeking it ourselves, that we want to feel like we are a valued part of a team, say. We want to feel like there's respect and mutual respect and honor happening. For some of us, it's simply to be known. Uh, at our deepest level, right? To have a place where we can feel like someone really gets us, someone really understands us. It's safe to be open with this person. Uh, we just are driven by this desire to be truly known by, some, by somebody. 
Uh, some of us are driven by joy and just are seeking out that in our lives. Happiness, delight, fun, fulfillment. We know what joy looks like, and we have joyful people in our lives. And uh, so some of us are just seeking laughter. We're seeking that happiness. We're seeking that experience. Uh, all of us need love. For some of us, it'll be a real driving force. We're looking for intimacy. We're looking for connection. We're looking for uh, affection. We're, the feeling of being chosen, uh, being in relationship. Not necessarily romantic. It could just be a, a group of friends or, or at a workplace, but love really drives us. We're looking for that real, true intimacy with someone else. For some of us, it's belonging and this desire to just be a part of the team, to be a part of a group, uh, to not feel alone and not to feel so lonely in this life, looking for connection and looking for community. For some of us, it's comfort and, and security and peace. They're all a little bit similar, uh, just driven by comfort to uh, just to feel that sense of, of just kind of being surrounded and safe and uh, supported. Uh, security is similar, that we're looking for stability, uh, whether it's financial security or job security, uh, feeling like there's an order to our world. There aren't a lot of surprises. We can feel secure. Uh, peace, to feel that peace, we know what peace feels like, that, that desire to feel at rest, where the turmoil can stop, where the world can stop spinning, where we can actually just rest in that peace. That's going to drive things for some of us as well. There's a few more. Some of us are driven by this desire to come through. Uh, some of us want to be the guy or the gal. Uh, who's there, who's dependable. When there's a need, they meet it. These are the people who say, uh, I want to be available. There's a great sense of satisfaction that comes when there's a need, and we can be a part of meeting that need. These are often very servant-hearted people. For goodness, uh, and again, we're, we're all being made more good in the image of God, as we talked about a few weeks ago. Uh, but this is to be seen as pure, to pursue righteousness, where morality is really important, good character is really important. Some of us really want to be, to be seen by uh, everybody as moral and have a, a strong sense of what that morality should look like. Recognition, to feel affirmed, to feel rewarded, to, be, uh, to have your efforts acknowledged and, and your work acknowledged. Similar to that is approval. Some of us just want to hear, well done. Some of us just want to hear, good job, and it doesn't need to be fancier than that, but to be accepted, uh, to, and especially to be accepted just as you are. Not that I need to become somebody different, but that I'm accepted just as I am. Some of us are driven by justice. We value fairness. There's usually a cause uh, that we are fighting for. There is a problem. There is a, a mountain we are trying to overcome and valuing what is right and fighting for what is right and fighting for other people. Some of us are driven by the sense of challenge, that just give me a problem to solve, right? Give me a marathon to run. Give me a mountain to climb. Give me a goal to hit. And we get this sense of fulfillment and thriving from, from engaging in challenge and meeting a challenge. It's a hugely satisfying feeling to accomplish something that you've set your mind to. Some of us are driven by significance. We want to ask ourselves, uh, what are we leaving behind when we go? Are we making a difference in this world? Is what I'm doing going to have a lasting impact beyond just myself? I really want to make a mark somewhere. And the last one is freedom. Some of us really like to do things our own way. We don't like to be told what to do. Uh, we want to have freedom from constraints. We want to honor and acknowledge our free will uh, to be self-reliant and not have to lean on others, but be able to be ourselves and to, to not have any constraints put upon us. So again, these are all in the back of your book. But that's a very quick, we could do a lot more uh, on that. But the premise is, again, every one of us has, has one or two or three of these things that are maybe running our lives a little more than we realize. And we might all engage with all of them from time to time, but the exercise is, starting to, is getting us to start to say, okay, which ones are mine? 
which ones do I notice are, are affecting how I make decisions and, and affecting how I interact with people and what I'm looking for from other people in my relationships and, and things like that because uh, we want to start to become aware of these things. So how do we know? You just got a quick snapshot on these desires. How do we know which ones are ours? I think there's a decent chance that one or two of them might have popped for you a little bit even as we did those brief descriptions, but there's some other ways that we can help get a handle on this. So one of them is this. We ask ourselves a question like, you can ask whatever questions you want, I'm just going to give you a few samples. Uh, what's a memory where I felt happy or fulfilled? And you're going to go through these specific questions in your booklets this week. What's a memory where I felt happy or fulfilled? Like when you think of a time where you felt like yourself and you felt really good uh, and you felt like I, I feel just kind of like this is who I am and this means a lot to me and it's important to me. And so you allow yourself to think of that memory, uh, try to remember, okay, what did that feel like? What emotions are coming up for me as I think? Like, what, what was it about that that made me feel so happy, that made me feel so fulfilled? What was it about that particular moment? And then as you're doing that, we look at that list, and I, that's just half of it there, but you look at the list and you look at the words and you say, okay, which one of these things on this list is this memory touching? Right? What desire is being fulfilled through this memory? And so I'm going to fast forward this for you just with when I have gone through this in the past. I first encountered this a few years ago. Uh, so I'm going to fast forward it for you. It's going to take longer maybe than I'm just going to share it with you quickly here. But I thought of a memory at a previous church where uh, we were leaving. And uh, it's, you know, when you're in ministry, you don't always know the impact because our, our, our emphasis on, is on people here. And when we do change as people, we tend to change slowly. It happens over time and so you just don't always necessarily get to see the fruit of what you're doing and so as we were coming to the end of the season uh, just feeling like oh, I don't really know if I made an impact here I don't really know what this last five years was about and feeling a little discouraged and on my last Sunday uh, they showed a video and the video uh, some of it was thank you Chris and Sarah but that wasn't really the emphasis it was all about uh, you know, here's something I learned in the last few years, and here's something that changed in the last few years. And, uh, and so it was people in the church who were sharing kind of testimonials. And by the end of this video, I'm a sloppy, wet puddle. I'm just weeping in my pew. Uh, and so I felt like, oh, I did. Something good came out of this. It, there was stuff happening. God was doing all kinds of stuff. And, and I was partly repenting, you know, forgive me, Lord, for, for you know, feeling sorry for myself. Um, and so you look at that list, okay, so what value, what desire does that maybe touch on? And, and again, you'll take some time with this. Uh, but ultimately, one of them that I landed on was this sense of worth, that uh, in that moment, I felt validated, validated, and I felt valued, and I felt honor. They, they paid honor, and, and that uh, did something inside of me. And so, all right, let's take note of that then. And then there was probably some recognition in there as well that was important. So first one, find a memory that is good and positive and take some time to unpack. What desire might that have been fulfilling in your life? Second question is what's a memory where I resented someone and struggled to get past it? So uh, bigger than the person who cut you off in traffic, because, I mean, you shouldn't take that long to get over that. Um, I, I, I will add the caveat, uh, certainly not anything uh, engaging with trauma in your life. 
because some of us have been through truly traumatic things. And it can be helpful to dive into that memory, but if we're going to do that, uh, you do that with a professional counselor. Uh, don't do that for this exercise, okay? So not that far, but more important than, than just the little tiny stuff. Like, when did I have a season where I really struggled to forgive somebody? And it's the same principle. What, what emotions does that stir up in me? Uh, what was it about that that affected me so deeply? And then go to the list of desires, look at all the words, and say, what desire uh, does that affect? Because a lot of times we resent a person because they, they stepped on our desires, or they hurt us in the area of our desires, or they didn't fulfill our desires. And sometimes it's because they're careless and mean, and sometimes it's because they just didn't know. But where, where have I resented somebody? And again, looking at the list, uh, what desire gets touched in that particular area? So again, just quickly, at a previous church, uh, we had a couple who was involved in the church. They were leaders in the church. Uh, they'd been instrumental in bringing me into the church on the search team, and uh, within a few months, uh, they were not happy with what I was doing, and what sort of came out was uh, they had a lot of money. Their tithe apparently was 25% of the church budget at one point, and they used to throw that around to kind of get what they wanted, and so I didn't know all this till after, and I'm kind of glad I did because uh, I didn't know it because it would have potentially affected things, although I'd like to think that it wouldn't, but they came and they said, we want special treatment on this thing, and I said, well, we can't do that for you. If we do that for you, we got to do it for everybody. Sorry, I can't do that. And they actually left the church. And as they left the church, they told anybody who would listen uh, that I was a bad leader, that I was going to take the church down the drain and just kind of lit the building on fire on their way out. And, and thankfully, uh, people in the church kind of knew who they were and knew what they were like, and so it didn't do too much damage. But, but that one hurt, and that one took a while to work through. And so with that memory in mind and thinking about what does that feel like and what emotions does that stir up, look at the list of desires, look at all the different words, what does that memory touch on? And, uh, and again, part of it at least, was I landed on that word worth, that uh, what they did was, amongst other things, disrespectful. It was dishonoring and, and it was uh, hurtful on a lot of levels. I felt devalued for, for what I was bringing to the table. Um, and so you land on that and go, okay, that word worth is showing up again. Interesting, let's take note of that. Last question is, are there any moods I find myself in that lead me into sin? Uh, I didn't word that that well. That's the way it's worded in the booklet. But the heart of this one is, we're talking in this series a bit as we're trying to walk in holiness and as we're trying to pay attention to our sin, as we're trying to ultimately move the sin out of our lives, is to say, what are the patterns in my life that lead me into sin? Are there certain uh, people I hang out with who lead me into sin? Are there certain times of day where I am more drawn to sin than others? Are there certain circumstances in my life where I can fall into sin more easily than others. That's what we're getting at here, because a lot of times when these desires are not getting filled, we will turn to sin to try and fill them in some way. Even if we know it's wrong, even if we know the buzz that sin brings is temporary, it will bring some relief to, to the moment at least. And so sin can become appealing to us when these desires are not met. And so as I start to pay attention to, okay, what are my sin struggles? What are the things that I fall into, and, and what are the patterns in my life that are there where I can just continually find myself struggling, or even just, where am I at my worst? Are there times in my life where I'm just at my worst, and when I'm at my worst, it's easy to do dumb things, and say dumb things, and engage in dumb things? And again, looking at the list, and looking at the words, and saying, okay, is there any desire on this page that I am trying to fill the wrong way? 
Is there any desire in my life that I am looking to sin in order to, to figure out? You don't have to share the specifics of this with your life groups this week, by the way. This is primarily for you. But again, as I went through the exercise, I, I landed again on that word worth. And so, um, you know, yeah, when there is dishonor, when there's disrespect, sometimes not even towards me, but if I see it towards others, uh, that puts me in a mood. And when I'm in that mood, I can say dumb things, I can do dumb things. And so just being aware of that as part of this picture. So the idea is, as we ask ourselves these questions, and, and not just maybe with one memory per question, but as we ask ourselves these questions, as we pray about it, and we pray for insight, and we look to the list, uh, is that as we do this over and over again, you can ask whatever questions you want. These are just some ones to get you going. The, the hope is that we'll look at that list of desires and start to say, again, there's one or two or three things on here. That, that are me. I can see how they influence me a lot. I can see how I, I look to sin to fill those things for me. I can see how they uh, influence how I treat people and, and how I expect people to treat me. And so as I went through this exercise, this is not yours, I'm just showing you how this works. Uh, I landed on that word worth, that, that respect and honor is really important to me. Uh, I landed on recognition, and that's something that can get unhealthy really quickly, which I'll explain in a second. And I landed on peace that I am constantly looking for this place of peace where the, the swirl of the world and the turmoil of, of thought and emotion can slow down and I can just find that place of peace. And so, again, the premise of this is that none of these are, are bad in and of themselves. They are God-given desires. But the problem is these desires only reach the fullness of their fulfillment in God. And so if I'm not doing that and looking for him to fulfill these desires, then again, I will be looking to lots of other things to do that for me. And so uh, these desires can be the beautiful, incredible, godly motivators of our lives, or they can be the things that lead us into unhealthy places. And so part of today is let's just be aware of that. So when it comes to recognition, there is something in all of us, like we want to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant, right? Like that is something in all of us. And so if that's a desire that drives my life, and it drives me to live my life in that way, to say, Lord, whatever I do, I want it to be to hear you say, well done, to get my recognition from you, and to live my life towards your approval and your recognition, then this desire is a really good thing. Now, if I live my life out of this, and I, I have, for sure, in my life, where it's, oh, if someone tells me I did a good job on a sermon, I'm going to be through the roof. And if someone tells me I didn't like that sermon, I'm going to be frustrated and disappointed and discouraged. That's this desire going a bad way. Does that make sense? Do you, you see the difference between the two sides? You know, the peace, like it, it, driven in a good way, it causes me to really seek God because peace comes from him and to, uh, to forgive people and to, to drive towards peace in relationships, to encourage peaceful relationships in others and be a peacemaker. Like that's how that can show up in a really good way. But if I don't have that peace, then it's very easy to look to, to other things or look to distractions. I mean, for me, honestly, one of the struggles has always been uh, when you're in ministry, there's a lot of times you're not at peace because there's a lot of stuff going on all the time. And you know what really takes the edge off when you're feeling that way? Big Macs. Pizza. Chips. And that's been a lifelong struggle for me, honestly. It's just, you know, as a pastor, I can't go out and get drunk, and I can't do drugs, but, you know, the food really takes the edge off. And, and recognizing that 
pattern, right? Like, that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about patterns. And, and honestly, one of the reasons I've actually been able to do a little bit better in that area, in this season of life I'm in right now, is because I'm recognizing that this happens. I'm recognizing that if I feel dishonored or disrespected, if I feel uh, there's a lack of peace in my life, that, yeah, there is a very real drive to look to other things to give you even that temporary sense uh, and of course, we know those things don't work, right? Because the pizza tastes real good going down. And then the next day you feel a little fatter and you realize the piece still isn't here. It didn't really accomplish what I was kind of, and, and you know, I know that that's the cycle, but we can do that with anything, right? We can do that with certainly alcohol and drugs. We can do that with our jobs. We can do that with the people in our lives where if I don't feel fulfilled in this, I'll start looking for, for you guys to fulfill it for me. And so as we are just, again, becoming aware of this stuff, here's some really practical stuff we can do, and I'm just about done. First of all, don't judge others who are driven by different desires than you are. Again, we all might touch all of them, but it's so easy, right, to look at that person who's driven by love, and they're just driven towards intimacy, and they're not finding it, so they're jumping from relationship to relationship, they're jumping from bed to bed, and it's easy to look at them and say, well, look, look at that person, searching for love in all the wrong places, right? Not honoring God, not living the way God wants us to live, but rather understanding, oh, that's a, a desire that's just being fueled in a really unhealthy way. But I can have compassion for that person. I don't, I don't agree. I don't endorse it, but I can have compassion for that person. It's easy to say, look at that approval junkie, you know, all over Instagram, just fishing for likes and hearts and comments. But it's like, no, that's, that's a desire that's, yeah, it's manifesting in, a, in the wrong way. And if that's not your desire, that can be hard to understand. Uh, there's a lot of people in this room who went, oh, I totally get the food thing as soon as I said that, right? Because that's part of your struggle. If that's not your struggle, you're not going to get it. But our, our heart towards each other is compassion, right? That, okay, so that's a desire moving in the wrong way. And, and again, that's not my struggle, so I don't really get it, but I can recognize it. So I'm not going to pass judgment on it. With that, we can make a reasonable effort to meet others and their desires. And that reasonable word is really important. Because if I know uh, you have a desire for belonging, and I know that's a need in your life, then, then I can have you over for dinner, right? I can let you come and belong and be part of my family for a little while. If I know uh, you need some approval, then, then it's easy to give you a few words to help you out. The, the reasonable word that's in there is because I can't do that for you. I can't fulfill that for you, and you can't fulfill it entirely for me. But we can help. Because when God created Adam, and he created just Adam, he looked at Adam and he said, it's not good for this guy to be alone. Right? And so even though God was there to be the, the fulfillment of everything Adam needed, God also recognizes Adam needs someone else like him. Uh, there needs to be a community here of people like Adam so that he has people he can lean on as well. So a reasonable effort. Again, we, if I see a desire in your life uh, and, and I, I can acknowledge it, then as a brother, it's easy to, to help you out in that way with the acknowledgement that I can't fulfill that for you and you can't fulfill that for me. So we can let each other off the hook in that sense and stop making it about, you know, in a marriage of how you didn't give me what I needed or I didn't give you what you needed. Uh, we're going to make a reasonable effort to be supportive while acknowledging I am entirely responsible for my own insecurities. I'm entirely responsible for my own identity. I can't put that on you guys to make that happen for me and vice versa. So we want to just have a, a balanced view of what our role is as we help each other out through this stuff. 
we can start to notice when we're looking to other things to fill these desires, whether it's sin or whether it's work or whether it's jobs or whether it's words or whatever. Um, just start to notice those patterns, right? As I start to realize what are the desires driving my life, I can start to realize where am I looking to other things to fulfill them so that hopefully we can start to shift some of those patterns. And then most importantly, this is the most important one by far, is that we turn to the Lord and ask him to fulfill the desires. We ask him to do it. And so Tony has an exercise in his books, and it's so simple, it sounds stupid. Like, it's so simple, it sounds too easy. And it's one of those things that when I encountered it a number of years ago, I went, how have I missed this my whole life? Like, it's the easiest thing in the world. And the premise of it is very, very simple. The Holy Spirit is inside of you, and he is speaking. The Holy Spirit is a chatty guy. He is a talker, and he is speaking to us. And one of the things he will speak to us about, if we ask, is about who we are. It's about who he has created us to be. And so the Holy Spirit is inside, and he is always up for a good chat with you. And so that is the, the grounding premise. And then, again, these are in the back of your booklets. Tony says, whatever your driving desire is, you just ask the Lord a question about how he is going to fulfill that desire in you. And then you wait for 30 seconds in silence. And then you write down what comes to mind. And so it's not about we're waiting for an audible voice. It's not about some people hear God in different ways. But uh, it is simplest form. We're just trusting the Spirit is within us. When we ask Jesus for revelation, he's going to bring it to us. Because Jesus said, if your kid asks you for a, a, a bread, you're not going to give him a stone. If he asks you for fish, we're not going to give you a snake. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for him? So we're going to trust that the Holy Spirit's here, ready to speak. And so there's some examples of this in the back of your book. You can ask any question that you want. But if you're driven by that sense of worth, then the question is, Jesus, what do you value in me? You wait for 30 seconds, and you write down what comes to mind. If you're driven by love, Jesus, why do you love me? Wait 30 seconds, write down what comes to mind. If it's belonging, Jesus, what do you like about spending time with me? If it's recognition, Jesus, what have I done well in your eyes? Significance, Jesus, what significance do you see in my life? Because if Jesus is telling us these things, then I don't need you to tell me these things. If Jesus is answering these questions, then I don't need to look to sin to fulfill these things. And so I've seen people do this in seminars and workshops and just in the silence start weeping because stuff comes up that the Lord speaks and, and just the stuff that rises up in their heart or the thoughts that come to their mind and they write it down. And just because we don't ever discern in a vacuum, if you're not sure if that's God or not, then you bring to someone that you trust and just say, hey, does this sound like God to you? Uh, because the same spirit who's speaking to me is also speaking to you. And so if this is from God, then it's going to witness with both of us. And so you write these things down. And again, this happens over time. You take time to process it. And the heart of all of it is we want to be finding our identity firmly in him. All of our security met in him. All of our validation coming from him. All of the recognition that we truly need deep within us coming from him. And now again, not that we can't help each other out to a certain extent in these areas, but it's never going to be enough to fill the deep, deep, deep desires. And so we just go straight to the source, the God who made us and the God who created us, who wired us with these desires. Lord, how are you fulfilling these things within me? Come on up, worship team. We're just about done here. 
So I just gave you, obviously, a fire hose of stuff, and a lot of it, I think, was probably pretty new. And as I said earlier, it's going to take some time to work through this stuff, but uh, even in, the, in between the services, a woman came who was at the 9 o'clock service, and she just said, I'm realizing how many decisions in my life I have made out of this one desire. And I went, well, that's what we're hoping for. We are hoping for, we're going to start to notice these things now and be aware that uh, as I make this decision, is that just an unmet desire talking, or is this what the Lord wants me to do? And Lord, how are you fulfilling these desires in me? Because the word of the Lord says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. When we delight in him, he will be the fulfillment of every desire that we have. And, and we just need to ask. And it's a, such a simple thing. It almost sounds too easy, but he is the father who loves us. And what father doesn't love talking to their kids? What good father does not love engaging in that conversation? So as we get ready to go, we want to delight in him for a few more minutes uh, as we head out the door. We're gonna worship him a little bit. So I'm gonna ask you to stand with us. As the team leads us, the words will be up on the screen. Please join in. You know, as we go through our week coming up and as we think about the desires of our heart and how we're wired to be and maybe there's cracks in our armor that the Lord sees and perhaps we just need to come to him and ask him to examine our hearts to see where the insecurities are. I have those in my life as well and it's good to be in front of the throne where we can come in our insecurities because of Jesus Christ and that's a good thing, isn't it? And as you think about your life this week, as you think about how you follow Christ, we encourage you to be all in to be all in as you follow him. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect in it. It doesn't mean you're going to have all the answers. But the beautiful thing is, Jesus does. And we don't want to just say that by just saying it. We say it because we believe it. We wholeheartedly believe that Jesus Christ is the answer uh, to the struggles we have in life. So be encouraged by that. And as you've come here this morning, if you need to pray with someone, uh, just to be encouraged or share anything, we have a prayer team that will be available after service. They will be up front. Come on forward and ask people to pray for you. And as people are coming forward and you want to visit and connect with others, we'd love it if you would do that. We ask you to do that in the foyer, down the hallway, so we can create a place of ministry here. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that you are glorious. Thank you that you are with us in all things. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that even as we go about our day today, show us and challenge us and remind us of the depth of love you have for us and that we can come before you in our weaknesses and our strengths, and our strengths come from you. And Lord, thank you that in our weaknesses, you look at those things too, and you are glorified in our lives because of who you are. So thank you for each person here. I pray you bless them and watch over them this week, guide them in their struggle and their joys, and thank you that we can come together in this church and this country so freely. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, one more thing before you go. If you see somebody you don't know, you've never met them before, I encourage you, we encourage you to go say hi to them. Have a great week.